We're in Romans 1, 18 through 32. As you get there, I want to make a statement. I give a lot of, pro a lot of props to teachers. I was a history education major for two years in college before I switched to uh, biblical studies. And within that process, I had to create units, unit plans. of. And I was a history teacher, uh, going to study to be one. But I was making units and all the lesson plans and all the extra things that you can study and all the homework sheets and all of those things. There's a whole lot of preparation that goes into what you guys learn on a weekly basis in school. Now, when a substitute teacher comes in, the goal is that substitute teacher would be able to take the plan, take the unit that was created, take the lesson, and they would be able to teach it to the students. Now, the question is, when the substitute teacher comes in, what is the likelihood that the, the class is going to go according to plan? Not very likely. Why is that? Because students, we all look and we see, you know, someone that we can take advantage of and say, oh, no, hey, we're actually not learning about that today. We learned about that last week. Hey, our teacher told us, she didn't tell you, but she told us, um, we're just going to watch a movie today, and I've got one prepared right here that you can just plug into, you know, the VCR, and we can watch this. Or sorry, you guys don't know what VCR is, and you can, like, download it off Netflix or whatever. We try to take advantage, and when we see a substitute teacher, we, the red light goes off, and we say, let's wreak havoc. And we're like, we're taking over this classroom, and we're going to do whatever we want, right? We all have that desire in us, and we ultimately try to throw off the plan of the substitute teacher. I tell you that because for a lot of us, we treat God like a substitute teacher. Last week, we learned about God's design for our, our sexuality. But the thing we, we do is we treat him like a substitute teacher. We, we do our own thing and are completely and utterly focused on ourselves, on what we want to do and not following what the Lord has for us. We continue to, to feel whatever is right to us, that's what we're going to follow, not what the design is. And the point of tonight is we're going to see how we distort God's design, specifically in sexuality. So, again, a 30,000-foot view. It's a three-week series, biblical sexuality. Design, distortion, and discernment. Tonight we are on man's distortion of what God has designed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we jump into his word. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word that is living and active. It is something that we can trust, something we can build our foundation upon. And I pray that we would go through tonight and we would see the wickedness of our desires, the wickedness of our flesh. And Lord, that, that, that would push us to trust in you more, to lean on you and to lean on your word. Uh, may you refine us tonight. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I've got several points for you tonight, so if you're taking notes, you're going to get some handwriting in. But the first point I want us to understand tonight is that the wrath of God is righteous and revealed. The wrath of God is righteous and revealed. Romans 1, 18 through 21, let me read this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of this world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts 
were darkened. Before we jump into this, I want to give us a quick doctrinal lesson. There's two kinds of revelations we see in God's word. General revelation and specific revelation. Special revelation. General revelation is what is described here in in Romans 1. It says here in, in verse 19, For what is known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation in the world, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So we have general revelation. Last week we talked about all the beautiful creation, right? The, the seas and the mountain lakes and the mountains and the hills and the valleys. And we look at that. General revelation tells us that God is plain to see in all of that creation. When we see one another, we see humans, we understand DNA and, and cells, and we look and we say, there's got to be a creator behind all of this. This didn't just combust and just naturally happen. There must be a designer behind this. So general revelation shows, hey, there is a creator. That doesn't mean that we can know God intimately. That's why we need special revelation. And that special revelation is Jesus. Because general revelation cannot save us because we can only be saved by the name of Jesus. So that's why we need Jesus. All that to say, general revelation shows us there is a creator, and we are all guilty of not honoring that creator. And because of that, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That the wrath of God is fair and right. When we think of the wrath of God, it is a fair judgment of his people. It's a fair judgment of his world. Last week we went over that God is the designer. He is the creator. He has all authority. Therefore, he gets to dictate how the, the world operates, right? He is the designer. He is the creator. So when things are not honoring him and going to what he has designed, it is right for him to bring wrath down on that, to bring judgment. So we need to understand that God's wrath is fair. It is correct. And usually... Uh, we see that it says it's against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That God's wrath is not just against you for being a good guy. Like, no, God's wrath is coming to this world because of unrighteousness and sin. God's wrath is real. It says it's, it, it's, it's, it's holy, it's righteous, and it's real. It's been revealed and will be, be revealed to us at the end times. But God's wrath is centered on his divine displeasure with sin. God's wrath is centered on his dis- divine displeasure with sin. Now, this is not the, the cheeriest passage of Scripture. You don't go, man, the wrath of God. I just love the wrath of God. I love learning about the wrath of God. But here's the thing. It's important to understand the wrath of God because if we don't understand the wrath of God, we can never understand the goodness of the gospel. Look at Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. For from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has saved you, but if there's no wrath, if there's no death coming our way, what good news is Jesus? What makes Jesus good news is that wrath is coming. And Romans 1 tells us this. Romans 3 tells us that we are all guilty. We are without excuse. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Therefore, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. It's our memory verse. It is death. So because of our sin, we therefore earn the wrath of God because we have sinned against him. We have performed ungodliness, unrighteous acts. Therefore, the wrath of God is coming for us. The problem with our culture is that there is an apathetic mindset towards consequences, towards the wrath of God, because they're saying, well, I can just live the way I want, and there's no consequences for it. Guys, it is so important to understand God's wrath because it is what makes the good news of the gospel more glorious to us. Because we see that without the good news of the gospel, that wrath is coming for us. But God for so loved us that he sent his son to die for us. That if we would believe in him, that we shall have everlasting life. The good news of the gospel is made more glorious because of the wrath of God. And we're going to get into some more of this distortion, ungodliness, and unrighteousness as it uh, uh, pertains to sexuality. But one thing we need to continue to keep in the realm of this study is that God has all authority. God's word has all authority. So whatever his design says, we follow. He has the authority for us to live the way that we do. So our, our second point is this. And, and the idea of man's distortion of God's design is that we suppress truth and unrighteousness. We suppress truth and unrighteousness. And we see that in verse 18 again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now the idea of suppressing something is to push it down. Maybe you have a bad memory. I remember in eighth grade we were in the state finals uh, for baseball, and I'm the shortstop, and I'm like just pumped up. It's going to be an awesome game. It's like the third inning. Easy ground balls come out my way. You know, I prepare, I get up, and I go down, and it just went straight through my legs. That runner got on, we lost one to nothing. He, that runner scored, and I mean, for, for so long, I was like trying to suppress that. Some of you guys may have some memories that you've tried to suppress. It's not healthy. Don't do it. But I also want to give you this image. Y'all ever been in a pool before? with a pool inflatable. Y'all ever try to push that inflatable and then like sit on it? Or you guys are like just trying to keep it under the water, right? You're trying to suppress it. You're trying to push it down. But what happens when you let go of it? It pops right back up. Because what's the design of that pool inflatable? To float up. It's to stay above water. Here's the thing. When we look at sexuality, when we look at what God's word said, it says that we suppress his design. We suppress his design and we are actively keeping it down. And when you think of the sexual realm is that we are keeping it down because we have ulterior motives of what we want to do. That God says to not suppress his truth and let that be the foundation in which we live, but we suppress the truth so that we can live the way that we want to, that our flesh desires to. We suppress God's revelation and his truth so that we can live our self-centered lifestyles. The funny thing is, as as long as we suppress the truth of God's word, our creator, we will never understand ourselves or why the world is the way it is. Let's look at uh, Romans 1, 24 and 26. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary 
to nature, verse 27, and that men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. That they are exchanging, they are suppressing the truth from God's word to live the way that their flesh calls them to. And does God's word call us to live by our flesh? No, it calls us to live by the spirit, as it says in Galatians. We suppress the revelation of God. We suppress scripture speaking into our lives. So, okay, how does this deal with our sexuality? Okay, yes, this gives us an accurate statement of the depravity of man. It gives us an accurate statement of how we mess up. But what does it mean in our sexuality? I'm going to go through a couple categories, and each of my points, I'm going to walk through how it pertains to each of these categories. So number one, sexual orientation. How do, we, how, do, how do we suppress the truth of God's word and unrighteousness? We suppress the truth in which homosexuality comes out of. We see that in verse 26 and 27, that women were exchanging relations with men for, for women, and men were exchanging relationships with uh, women for men. It is suppressing the truth of God's word because you can look in, in Genesis 19, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1, Mark 1. There's tons of passages we can look to what God's word speaks to it, our relationships should be male and female. There's that whole component of it. But we're also suppressing le- legitimately just biological nature that, that God has made, made us man to be with woman. And in the world of the boundaries of marriage, procreation happens with a man and a woman. There's no other way that procreation happens. So we are suppressing the truth our culture is when we say homosexuality is okay because God's word is against it and God's creation is against it. What about gender? We suppress the knowledge back in Genesis 1 that God's word says we're created male and female in the image of God. Those are the things that we are created. Transgender and non-binary are catchy terms, but they go against God's nature. They go against his word. Yet we suppress this truth to satisfy our misplaced desires or to seem culturally relevant. What about social media? How do we suppress the truth of sexuality in social media? We suppress the truth and try to fulfill our sexual desires outside of marriage via Snapchat, Instagram, Tinder, whatever other apps are happening right now. We suppress the truth that we're called to, we are called to live a holy life, uh, a life honoring to God, and we know that God's design is that any sexual desire is found within the boundaries of marriage between a man and a woman. Sexual content, content, we suppress the truth and try to satisfy ourselves via pornography or shows. We go, to, we go to Netflix and we're trying to look at all the shows that are sexually provocative. And we see, oh, well, what is this with an island and, and, and all these couples? Oh, let's, let's watch this or let's watch all these shows on here, right? There's all of these things because we want to go to it because we know it's going to elicit a reaction. It's going to elicit a desire that you can f- satisfy in that moment. You are suppressing the truth that we are called to live holy lives, to, to live above reproach, to step away and not have that be a part of what we are doing and intaking and physical contact. This is suppressing the truth, again, that the desires are not to be fulfilled outside of marriage, but we act on them anyway. That is what we do when we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. The second thing we do is that we exchange truths for lies. We exchange truth for lies. Romans 1, 22 through 25. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God and images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed and forever. Amen. Many of you all know through my illustrations, it's going to come a time where I'm going to talk about food and I'm going to talk about dessert because you all know that I love food. You all know I love desserts. I want you to picture with me. Imagine in my hands, I have a really nice, beautiful chocolate cake with cut up Reese's peanut butter cups on it. Some of you are like, this is the most amazing thing. And if you're looking at me and saying that is disgusting, get up out of the room because it is just the best dessert. Christina, stay. <laughs> it, is, I mean, it, it, it is an incredible dessert. You, you, the richness of it, all oh, the, the creamy, it is, it is just the best cake. Imagine I have this cake. Imagine Mason is over here, and Mason's got this big old pile of mud. He's got this big old pile of mud. It's got some twigs sticking out of it. It's got some leaves sticking out of it. It's got a couple worms like popping in and out. It's got a cricket that's not on the floor in here because we're getting invaded by crickets. But it's got some bugs in that, in that pile of mud. Just imagine, would it make sense if I had this beautiful piece of cake, chocolate, peanut butter cups cut up on top of it. And I looked at Mason and I say, that's a good looking pile of mud. You want to trade? And then I go over there and I trade and I take his sloppy, nasty pile of mud. Would that make sense? No. And you guys are like, no, that would never happen. You would never, you're right. I would never let that happen. But we do this with God. We exchange the beautiful truth of his word. We exchange the design that he has given us for something, for a lie that will disappoint us in the end. That cake will satisfy me. That pile of mud won't. God's word and design will fully satisfy me. And we have to believe that Jesus is enough. But we continue to exchange it for what the world tells us is correct. And when we exchange that, we will see that we will come up empty. So we see in verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. They began to worship the creature rather than uh, the creator. They began to exchange what was God honoring to what was wise to the world. And one, thing is that you got, one of the things that you guys uh, have to deal with is TikTok influencers. Some of you are like, oh, I'm about to be a TikTok influencer. I got like 200 likes on one of those videos. Guys, the problem is a lot of us are intaking TikTok, are intaking uh, Instagram and all the people on there, and we're taking what they are saying as gospel. That we look at these people on TikTok, and just because they talk confidently about deconstructing their faith, or they talk confidently about that they are now a different gender, they go by these pronouns. When they talk confidently, we look and say, oh, they're probably right. They're pro I have some kind of doubts about my faith, but they seem very sure. So yeah, they're, they're probably right. We have this world that is claiming to be wise, but they're fools because they're exchanging God's design, they're exchanging God's word for a lie that will not satisfy we think we can fulfill our desires outside of what God has commanded us because that's what our flesh wants. Our flesh continues to only want to serve ourselves. And we exchange cultural ways, we exchange cultural trends 
over scripture. That we begin affirming different things in our culture because we can be accepted that way. That we won't get canceled that way. And we begin to look at fulfilling the desires of not being canceled, of being in the in-group and not being hated on as that, that mean, legalistic Christian. And we exchange standing faithfully on God's word with being culturally relevant. Why do you trade things? It's because you think you it's because you think the thing you have does not satisfy you. You think that the design God has given us is antiquated, you know, antiquated, like it's just old. Like it's out of date. It's 2022. Sexuality has changed since God's time. We begin to think, oh, well, this time is much more wise. It's it's much more better. No. We must stand on God's word. We must stand on God's design. So how does this relate to sexuality and sexual orientation? We have exchanged natural relations, as we see in 26 and 27 in chapter 1. We see that we have exchanged those natural relations for other ones that are not natural, that are against God's word. We believe that God has design, his design does not fill, fulfill us, and we have twisted desires, so we act as we do not need God and act on our own fulfilling this by same-sex relationships or lusting after one another. That many times that there's this, uh, what they say is this uh, toxic masculinity, that if you are not this big bravado, big athlete, mean, tough, deep voice kind of guy, that means, oh, well, there's something off with you, that you, you're just a little bit different, that maybe, maybe you are meant to be a girl. Maybe you are meant to be with another man because you're more feminine. That's a lie, right? God makes men in all different, uh, you know, interests and, and all those different things. We can't just accept this idea that if you're a man, you're this big bravado, you know, country man, right? But what culture is doing, we're exchanging the truth and say, oh, well, you're a bit more feminine. You have a bit of more of a feminine voice, so therefore, you may be gay. Therefore, you may be a girl, right? We're exchanging truth for lies, Again, with the gender, we exchange the truth that we are created male and female to we can change our gender, that gender and sex that are different. No, we see that they are the same. Social media, we, we trade the truth that we can be fully satisfied in God. We don't need others' approval, but rather we look to being satisfied by acting out and fulfilling those desires over their internet. Some post Pictures of you and your boyfriend or you and your girlfriend making out on Instagram and stuff like that. Please don't do that. But here's another aspect. Some of y'all post photos to be provocative to get more likes from boys on Instagram, on TikTok. Maybe you're doing that TikTok dance because it may show a little something you want a boy to take notice. Maybe. We're twisting what God has designed for us in physical contact. We believe we're exchanging the truth that we will be so satisfied in our marriage bed when we wait to be within the boundaries of our marriage to have sex for the first time. We're exchanging that, saying, I need to fulfill my desires now. It'll be good now. I'm entitled to fulfill my desires right now. We're exchanging truth for a lie. Next point, we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. We worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Romans 1.25, again, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. 
who is blessed forever. Amen. God has created us as worshipers. That's, we've been created in the image of God, so innately we are to worship the Lord. But we've twisted that. We've twisted that to where we now worship the creation. Right? We take a lot of good things and we begin to worship it rather than God himself. Here's an example. College football. Right? We love college football. But there are some of us that spend way more time searching up college football stats, watching college football games on a Saturday than we ever even hint at reading God's word or studying about God's word. We take dance or we take athletics, we take academics, we take football, we take any of these things that are good things. They are good in and of themselves. But when we raise them up above God, when we raise above the, the good creation above the creator is now becoming a God that we are worshiping. And we're not called to do that. Our desire and our worship is meant for God and God alone. But when we find our satisfaction in our spot in our school leadership, and we find our identity in our athletic or academic ability, we will be dissatisfied. We will not find true satisfaction. And we begin to elevate the creation rather than the creator. We see this in Pride Month, right? When we, we see this in Pride Month, June was crazier than I've ever seen June. You looked at social media, you looked at businesses, businesses are like, dude, you sell chicken. Why are you, why are you talking about this? Why you got all this across your windows and handing out flyers about this? Pride Month is elevating the LGBTQ community, right? It's raising and say, hey, we're all excited about pride, and we're going to raise this up. And what people do, the sexuality has become such a desire, it is now worshipped by our culture. Sexuality is now the thing that our culture worships. So you have Pride Month, which just naturally overflows out of that, that your sexuality is your identity. It's not your identity. And when we elevate that, all of our focus, all of our time, all of our energy, if you don't accept this, you're hateful. That is what Pride Month has done. It is a concrete example of worshiping something other than God. It's raising it up to this is God's status. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to worship the one and true living God. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. It's a famous quote, desiring God, John Piper. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him, that we would worship him above everything. That's his design. So how does this relate to our sexuality? Again, sexual orientation, we worship our desires and whatever they are, whether they be for the same sex or lusting after one another, we fulfill it. We worship that desire more so than the creator. Gender, we worship the desire of control, right? I can control what gender I am today. I can control what I am. God is not the one in control. I'm the one who can change to male and female. I'm the one who can change my pronouns to this. It's worshiping this idea of control that God has, making, has made a mistake and I can control what is correct. We see social media. We worship our sexual desires so we fulfill them in whatever way we can. Sexual content, again, we worship our desires and try to fulfill them via pornography. I want you to turn with me real quick to Matthew 5.28. Matthew 
Because pornography is a huge issue. Pornography is a huge issue, and most of the time, people think it's just guys. And historically, it's been mostly guys. But you would be shocked, and some of you may not be in this room, that pornography is very relevant. It's very prevalent in women as well, in girls as well. That both men and women struggle with pornography. Matthew 5.28 says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Guys, the content that we take in matters. Now, there's not a website or a magazine when, when Matthew was writing his gospel. But the biblical principle is there. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman looks at a woman and takes in lustful thoughts and intent, you are sinning against God. God has made it clear to us that we are not to worship this desire and then just look at people with lust however we want. Even from the beginning in Matthew, we see that pornography is a sin. It is something that is ungodly. It is something that will leave us dissatisfied. And I promise you, it will wreck your life. There are marriages that have been wrecked because of pornography. If you don't think it's a big deal, it's a big deal, both for girls and guys. And we worship the desire, we worship the desire of fulfilling our sexual desires through, through physical contact, contact, right? We think, oh, well, it, it, it's fine, we'll get married someday. Oh, I'm in a high school relationship. We love each other. We're going to end up together. Hey, we can start having sex now because one day we'll, have, we'll, we'll get married. No. Again, the boundaries of marriage is the good gift of sex. Some of you guys are like, oh, well, we're not having sex. Right? We're just fooling around a little bit, but we're not having sex. Does God call us to be pure? Does God call us to be holy? If we're not doing those things, we're sinning. It's not just the big S-E-X that's going to cause you to sin. When you are acting in lust, it's a sin. So we can't worship the good gift of sex. We can't worship the desire to fulfill our sexual desires more than the creator. And the way we do that is we properly put it in its right context within marriage. And lastly, our desires have set us out to death. Our desires have set us out to death. Romans 1, 28 through 32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are all full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. I know that doesn't apply to any of you in this room. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Guys, this is a pretty dismal picture of humanity. This is a pretty depraved picture of humanity. That God gave them up to a debased mind, a twisted mind, because they began to worship the creature rather than the creator. Guys, the amount of... Uh, of sexual and gender ideologies that are getting poured into elementary schools now is absolutely nuts. It's absolutely crazy. You may have never thought it was going to come to that point, but it's absolutely crazy. The amount of kids that are transitioning in elementary and middle school, 
Guys, here's a word for you. A lot of people say the LGBTQ plus community is bullied. That they are, and, and I, I don't disagree that there are those in that community that do feel bullied. And as Christians, we should never be a part of that. We should be reaching and loving on them. Uh, obviously not affirming their lifestyle, but we should never bully someone because of the, their sin. But here's the thing. And, and there's a lot of people that claim suicides happen because the LGBTQ, those that transition, the reason they commit suicide is because they're bullied. Guys, the statistics tell a little bit of a different story. The statistics say the suicide rate is higher for those who have transitioned five to ten years after their surgery. So let's just say this. When someone is uh, struggling with their uh, gender identity, and they're like, ah, if you're a guy, and you're like, ah, I think I may be a girl. There's a huge crowd in our culture that says, yep, that's great. Go you. That is awesome. Find yourself. And there's a huge crowd cheering them on. And then they continue on, and now they're identifying as a different name and as a different gender. And then, you know, a couple years down the road, they're like, well, maybe I, maybe I do need a change. Maybe I really am a girl. So then they have a sex change. And then they have the gender reassignment surgery or whatever they call it now. So then they have the surgery, and people are cheering like, you are doing great. This is awesome. You are so great. I'm so proud of you. You are being your authentic and true self. But guys, guess what? Five years down the road, ten years down the road, that crowd that is affirming and encouraging and uplifting, they're no longer there. And that is the group that is committing suicide more than any other group. Because what happens is they're allowing this culture to, to impact them, to influence them, to make these decisions, and then five to ten years down the road, those people are no longer around and they're dealt with the reality that they made a huge mistake, that they were pressured by those that are around them. I know there are plenty of people that authentically struggle with some of these desires, with homosexuality, with uh, gender dysphoria. Those are legitimate things that people can struggle with. But I'm saying there is a lot more than we think that are being influenced by the culture to make a change. And then five to ten years down the road, they are alone understanding that they're now no longer in the body that God created. No longer the person that they were ten years ago. They feel alone. They feel helpless because they have no, no support around them. And they end up committing suicide. Guys, it is an ugly, ugly process. Our desires have set us out to death. And that's not what God designs. That's not what God desires for us. He doesn't desire us for us just to live in giving ourselves over to our lust. He calls us to live self-controlled lives that honor him, that live by his design. But the way out is not worshiping our desires. The way out is not worshiping what the culture worships or elevating our sexual desire above everything else. The way out is acknowledging who God is and submitting to his authority and giving him honor and glory because of it. That we're not lived to make ourselves the, the little G gods in our life to, to celebrate and worship the creation, the desires of our, of our sexual desires, but it is to give God honor. And when we depend on him and when we submit to him, God will begin to change our hearts. God will begin to change our desires and to give us self-control. He is our motivation it's not about being legalistic. It's God has given us design that works, that will fully satisfy us because it is created by him. And when we go apart from that plan, we will find dissatisfaction, we will find loneliness, 
we will find emptiness. When we follow his design, we will see that there is life and life abundant. And there are some in this room that may be struggling with some of those desires. And just struggling with them does not make you a bad person. It's when we live them out, when we enact on those desires and those temptations, is when we're sinning. We want to help you. If any of you guys are struggling with that, my number is open. I want you to reach out. There are people in this room, Madeline, myself, we want to help you in that. We want you to, to see God, the beauty of God's design. We want to see you see the beauty of who God is and what he's done for you upon the cross. Here's one last thing before uh, the, the band begins to, to, to come up. Verse 32 says, Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Guys, that when we are living a life that is against God's will, God's wrath is coming. Jesus gives, an, gives us a way out through his death and resurrection. But yes, we get the understanding that we're not supposed to do it. But what's the end of verse 32 say? They do not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This gets it a little bit into what we'll go over next week about discernment. But we as believers are called to love and move towards people. We as believers are not a call to affirm people. We are never to affirm sin, whether it's pornography, whether it's lust, whether it's homosexuality or gender reassignment. We are never to affirm sin. We're to love people and move towards them, but we see that the wrath is coming. If we live a life that is dishonoring to the Lord both in practice and in our ideas and encouraging other people, the wrath of God is coming. But there's good news. That wrath does not have to come upon us. Because of the good news of Jesus Christ. We see the glorious good news of Jesus because of the wrath that is coming. We've all sinned. Our sin earns us death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. When you repent of your sins and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is faithful to save you for eternity, but to give you life abundant now. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you uh, for your word. And Lord, I pray as we continue to walk through this difficult topic, that we would be founded upon your word. Lord, I pray that we would walk faithfully with it, and Lord, as we, uh, we, we don't go out of this place wielding Bibles to hit people upside the head, Lord, I pray that we would be informed to go out and love people standing on your word, that Lord, that we would see the design you've made for us, that though we may not struggle with homosexuality or gender dysphoria, but Lord, that there are, there are some in this room that, that, that struggle with lust, and I guarantee it's all of us. Lord, that we would be faithful and live in a life that's honoring to you, that we would not be given up to a debased mind, that we would not live a twisted life because we are all about ourselves and our own desires. I pray that you would change all of our hearts to be like Jesus, to come here not to be served, but to serve, that our life is meant to honor you. It's never self-centered. It's always God-centered. God, I pray as we stand up and as we sing that we would worship you, and if we need to go around this room, Lord, I pray that we would take the opportunity to talk to, to leaders, but Lord, maybe just talk to you. Lord, we thank you for your good news of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and sing?